This is a Dalina University production. Welcome. My name is Loretta Kvarnstrom. I am a teacher here at Högskolan and Dalarna. And as you most probably hear, I don't come from Sweden. So welcome to this very humble, anecdotal introduction to Swedish culture. Uh, a lot of you that are watching this talk have probably never been to Sweden. So hopefully this will give you a few ideas and thoughts before you come and it will attract you to come to this fantastic, wonderful country. As you see here to my right, there is a wonderful, wonderful picture. And this, my friends, is a picture of the Swedish dream. Now you all know about the American dream, but eat your heart out, America, because this is the Swedish dream. When I give you my talk, I do not want you to feel that I'm representing the whole of Sweden. Sweden is an extremely long, long country with many different cultures and traditions. I am only going to give you my perspective, my personal perspective, and all the pictures that you will see are from my own personal collection. So this is my personal encounter with Sweden. And here you have a beautiful view of the Swedish summer stuga that we call it here in Sweden. It's a little red house and behind this little red house you have this beautiful lake. This is a view of an area very close to us here at Högskolandala. And all my friends and all the people I know have to have a little stuga where they can escape to at the weekends, in the summer and relax and be at one with nature. Now for me, as a visitor, when I first came, I thought this was very strange because you know I come from a place called London. I think you might have heard of a place called London in England. Um, there's a London in Canada as well, by the way, but London, England. And there's quite a few people that live there. I think about seven million people. So when I first moved to Sweden, I moved to a place called Borlänge, which has a population of about 40,000. So for me, that was the country. Uh, and then friends who lived there also had this wonderful dream that they needed their little cottage out by the lake. And I couldn't understand this. I thought, excuse me, you live in the country. Why do you need another house in the country? But uh, as I said, this is something that is imprinted in many people's hearts and souls to be at one with nature and to experience this beautiful view as they come out of their house every day in the summer and the weekends. Uh, when I first came, of course, I, was, I met with very strange sights and one of them was this. Um, and of course, you all know what this is, don't you? Some of you know anyway, but maybe the people that are watching this seminar uh, do not know. This, my friends, is an outdoor loo. 
Uh, and of course, again, coming from a big city, I had never, ever met something like this. And it seems that as long as you have the summer cottage, it doesn't matter if there is, there's no plumbing, there's no electricity, that, you know, it's just actually being there in nature, which is the most important thing. So this I thought was a bit strange when I came and um, I still think it's a bit strange. I must admit, I've not quite got used to this idea of uh, sitting there out amongst all the trees and people because there's usually small windows. You see, there's a small window beside it. And you know, I like to be private, but okay, I got used to it. Uh, and of course, what did I first meet when I came to Sweden? Uh, all the rituals. And for me as a Londoner, coming from a very multicultural society where there were all sorts of different rituals and traditions. Uh, this, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed midsummer celebrations. Uh, and this is very, very special in Sweden and especially in this area of Dalarna. Um, as you can see here, there, this is the Maypole and it is a pagan tradition midsummer and everybody celebrates midsummer in Sweden in some way uh, and many people celebrate it in the traditional way and as you can see here uh, the maypole is the center of entertainment this very wonderful phallic symbol uh, and as you can see here uh, these are the female um, fallopian tubes, you could say, in, in pagan tradition. And then I won't say much more about the maypole. Anyway, so here people meet around this maypole and they sing and they dance. And there are many, and it's a family occasion on the whole. Uh, and as you can see on the left-hand side, there are a group of people with uh, doing strange things. And this was the first exotic meeting I had with the Swedish song tradition. And it was called Smågrodena. And of course, I didn't know any Swedish, so I said to them, what are they doing? And they said, they are dancing and singing about little frogs. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, I said, okay, exciting. And uh, why are they jumping around and why have they got hands behind their hips here and they're going kuakuakuakakak. What does that mean? Well, kuakakak, that is nidip in Swedish. Aha! But I, I said, no, my, frogs don't sound like that, but okay, I'll accept that. So there was this mass of people jumping around uh, the maypole singing, little frogs, little frogs, they're so fun to look at. Uh, no ears, no tails, but what hell, whatever. So um, this was a very interesting meeting, I thought, and of course I thought it was very amusing. But it was a wonderful day, and people were happy, and children were laughing, and for me, this was a very um, important encounter with Swedish culture, and a very heartfelt one. Because I must tell you this, although I'm English, my heart is here in Sweden. 
Uh, I've had a wonderful time here and I'm still having a wonderful time and uh, I will continue. So here you see also the adoration of summer uh, and this seems to be true of every single person I meet here in Sweden. Uh, unfortunately, you're looking at me in a studio, but outside there is about one and a half meters of snow and it has been snowing terribly. So we have winter where Swedes uh, show different qualities of their character and then we have summer. And in the summer, you will see a different Swede and I will explain that a bit later. But summer is a very, very important time of the year for Swedish people. Here we go. Uh, and in the summer, we have more traditions. And this was, again, one of the things that I met when I first came. Um, and it was called the crayfish party. Now, this looks like a very normal party where people are just chatting and talking. But if you look a bit closer, you'll see that they're wearing party hats and you will see that there are crayfish here um, a, a real crayfish party there'd probably be more schnapps and not uh, wine this is was more a more refined crayfish party you could say but having said that the tradition of eating crayfish I found extremely exotic because suddenly I was uh, sitting in front of this big mound of crayfish and everybody was taking a crayfish and then they picked up this crayfish and they went <laughs> and I thought to myself what are they doing <laughs> but this is a Swedish tradition and this is how you eat crayfish here and the crayfish party which begins the first week of August is a tradition that many many Swedes um, celebrate and of course as you can see here in the summer with beautiful weather which is what we sometimes have in the, in the Swedish summers uh, but, uh, and happy people but uh, as I said quite an exotic tradition and there are certain ways to eat the crayfish you have to cut the head off and then you have to bring the wings off and then you have to take the shell off and it is um, a lesson in life. Uh, and then moose hunting. Uh, this is quite an interesting phenomenon here, especially in this area, but I know in other parts of Sweden that there is an official week whereby the moose hunting occurs. And during that week, I would say, and in my experience, I would call it nearly Holy Week because I remember when I first started teaching in a little primary school in Borlänge, my principal um, disappeared one week in October and you know we're all working hard and the principal's gone and I said excuse me where's the principal and they said oh well you know he's gone to the he's gone moose hunting uh-huh and well, you know, you know, uh, you can have that week off when you go moose hunting here in Sweden, no problem. Okay, so I thought to myself, this is a very important week. Uh, so the 
Here, this is a friend of mine's son, actually, who is also a hunter. So this is something that also is important for all generations in this area as well. And he's the very proud owner of a moose head. And then, of course, we have Lucia, uh, which, is, which occurs on the 13th of December every year. And again, another very important tradition, which all children are usually involved in, wherever they are, in nursery, in school, at university, we celebrate it as well. So this is a very important tradition where we celebrate Lucia, who is a Sicilian saint. And here you see a mass of children wearing wonderful long dresses, half of them looking quite happy about being in them, and half of them not particularly happy about being dressed up in these things that their parents have forced onto them. This little boy at the front doesn't look very happy with the hat he's wearing. This is called a stuffun hat, and it is also very traditional. But unfortunately, um, I was an Olympic hostess for Sweden uh, one year, and we invited the International Olympic Committee to celebrations in Stockholm. And uh, the International Olympic Committee come from all over the world. And um, a very terrible thing happened. We thought, let's uh, celebrate Lucia. Let's take a group of people dressed in these wonderful dresses and these strange hats and knock on their door very early in the morning and sing songs. Um, unfortunately, because they had never met this before, one of our members, IOC members, I won't say who, jumped out of bed screaming, the Ku Klux Klan are here. <laughs> so as you can see, uh, these things can be misinterpreted, but I can assure you this is a very, very peaceful affair. And of course, if you come to Dalarna, expect to ski. We have the most wonderful slopes here if you want to go long distance skiing or if you want to go downhill skiing. And a very important event happens in Dalarna every year and it's called the Vasaloppet. And it is a race where I think there's about 8,000 competitors compete against each other to win this competition. They have to ski 90 kilometers, I mean, that's a long way. Uh, and it's a world-renowned competition. And uh, this is something that people in Darwin are very proud of. And here, this is my friend's brother uh, completing the Varsalop. Um, on the top left-hand side, a very happy gang of skiers that are downhill skiing. And here on the right, a very beautiful area where you can uh, ski long distance. So as you can see, the environment and the scenery here in this area is breathtaking. And that's what struck me when I first came as well. So very quickly, going into a few values that I met. And let me also say, these are not values that are uh, carved in stone, but these are my experiences. Honesty. I was always struck by this when I first came to Sweden. 
And I'll give you one quick example. I would go into a shop and I would try some clothes on and I would say, oh, I like this and this, but I'm not really sure. And, and the manageress of the shop said, well, just take them home, try them on in front of your mirror and the clothes that you want, you keep them and come and pay for them. The clothes you don't want, just bring them back. And for me, coming from a big city, I felt that this was absolutely amazing. On the whole, I was always struck by people's honesty and people's belief that their fellow citizen was also an honest person. Modesty, uh, I was struck by this positively and negatively, I would say. Modesty, that I would say to someone, God, you did a fantastic job. And they would say, me? No, 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 that was nothing. Uh, and you will meet this very often when you uh, talk to people, that um, people will not step out of the crowd and say, yes, I'm the best. Uh, so quite modest in, in that respect. Tolerance. I've been accepted in the, into the community without any problems or any issues. Um, and I feel that many, many international students here at, in Sweden and at Högskolandalarna have also felt that they've been accepted into the community without any, any problems whatsoever. Uh, I think most students here enjoy the multicultural nature of our university. And, and it really enriches us all. Equality, I felt extremely uh, strongly when I first came here. Firstly, the equality between people, that everybody has a right to be in this society, everybody has a right to express their opinion, but not only equality amongst people, but equality amongst the sexes gender equality. Uh, that struck me very strongly and I was very happy about that. Um, that uh, equal rights means equal rights between men and women as well. Because as you come here you realize that society has been built for uh, the expression of rights if you're either a woman or a man and equality is a very strong strong perspective issue here in Sweden. Allemensrätt, uh, it's called, the right of access. This is something I know that many Swedes take for granted, but I think it is fantastic that you can come here and you can go anywhere, anywhere in the forest. And you can even camp in the forest for one night without permission for the owner. You can pick berries. You can pick mushrooms, all privately owned forest. And I thought that that was fantastic, to be able to go anywhere I wanted, except in people's back gardens, of course, because, you know, I mean, that is your private property. But anywhere in the forest, uh, absolutely fantastic. And this, uh, this is something that I appreciated very much when I first came, the opportunity, because I came, again, from a major city, and if you where you had to go on specific paths and if you swayed from the path then the owner would be there saying no 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 trespassers will be prosecuted so that's where I come from so for me this was ah oh, 
freedom and a love of peace. Uh, avoidance of conflict, I would put it, but we'll go into that later. But Sweden as a nation, a very peaceful nation, they don't readily go to war. Uh, it was a long, long, long time ago when the Swedes were in fact in any sort of war that um, I don't want to go into. But uh, as I said, this very uh, uh, they were not involved in the Second World War, for example. They try to act as a neutral nation. Cleanliness, sorry. Uh, this was something that struck me very much when I first came. The Swedes are very clean people. And their houses, well, I've got students in front of me now and they're saying, no, 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 you've got it wrong. Uh, but on the whole, in my experience, uh, all institutions, hospitals, which is great, thank you, um, are extremely, screamly, squeaky clean. And I'll give you an example, uh, because as I'm British, uh, I, I like baths. You know what a bath is? get into it and you luxuriate in the bubbles and think it's wonderful. And, um, I'm, you know, I, I can shower now and again, I don't care. But uh, I never forget, I had a friend of mine who was organising a trip for, for some friends to Britain and uh, she said, we can't use that hotel. And I said, why not? Because they only have baths there. Uh-huh. And what's wrong with having a bath then? It's disgusting, she said. How can you bath in, a, in water that is dirty? And, you know, as I said, I didn't understand what she meant. I mean, I'm not that dirty when I get into the bath. Come on, don't exaggerate. But there's this idea that you cannot really be clean unless you have a shower. Uh, and showers are very important uh, attributes here in Swedish homes. You will always see a shower. You may not see a bath. That was a bit iffy. Um, okay, and conscientiousness, hard working. All my experience, my colleagues, uh, my friends, extremely hard working and wanting to do a very good job. And here we have some funny keywords. And I say funny, uh, I mean exotic. Uh, lagom. Now, lagom is this very Swedish word, and, and the Swedes are so proud of it because they say, you can't say it in English, there's no such word. And I said, well, I wouldn't want to know that word. No, I'm joking. Um, so, lagom. Lagom means, in sort of two words, just right. But you know, lagom, being just right, is that what we all want to be? But that seems to be the ethos in many on many occasions. Uh, and not to be too loud, not to be too quiet not to be too out there, uh, but not to be too back there. So, uh, lagom is something that actually steers how many Swedes act in many situations. And that is also steered by something called jantelag, which is also not a particularly English word, uh, but uh, I think it exists in many, many towns and cities in the world. And jantelag is something which says that um, we can be equally well off, but some person cannot be better than me. So that we have this evener here in Sweden, which sometimes is also a bit frustrating. But on the other hand, cultures are not fixed. This is changing um, because we're becoming more and more multicultural. 
And then we have the welfare state, which I think is fantastic. Um, as a mother of three children, I experienced the social welfare system here. I was given time off of work over a year to look after my children, and I was paid 80% of my wage. And I think that is, as far as equality is concerned, absolutely fantastic. Um, there is a social net here that uh, I really appreciated, not only for myself, for, but for my family. And, and as far as we, as I stand here today, studies in Sweden, for example, are free of charge. And that is a luxury, believe it or not. Okay, these strange words, sambo, serbo, mambo, plus mama. Uh, these were also things that I found very interesting when I first came to Sweden because uh, I came from a country where if you live with someone, uh, you're cohabiting. And there is only one word in, in, in Britain, one word in English, or living together, something like that. But in Sweden, there's this whole web of relationships that has developed around the new families that uh, have, come, have, have emerged here in Sweden. Because Sweden is a very secular country, uh, and that is something very important to, to, to say, that, um, that it's civil values and norms that govern here. So, sambo means that you live together with someone, and serbo means that you're in a relationship, but you live in two different places. And mambo means that you live with your mum. And plus mama means, and I don't like that word, I think we need to have another word for that. It, it, translated means plastic mother. And plastic, well, I suppose it's better than stepmother because that sounds like something from Cinderella, doesn't it? So um, plastic mother uh, comes from, um, is when it's a stepmother, actually. Uh, but also you can get bonus children if you go into another relationship where there's more children, so they're called bonus children. And uh, I don't need to go on. I can tell you there's at least 20 more descriptions of these new relationships that are occurring here in Sweden. But it's all, I think it's healthy that uh, we give these relationships positive um, attributes. Uh, another word that I learned as soon as I came here was tuck. Thank you. Uh, and thank you seems to govern quite a lot of what you do and how you communicate with people. Uh, I can give you one explanation. I went into the post office one day, when there were lots of post offices here in Sweden, but they're cutting down, uh, and I wanted a stamp. So I said, hello, can I have a stamp? Tack. And, she's, and uh, she said, yes, oh, good morning. And uh, how much will that cost? Uh, and she said, oh, it will cost five kroner. Tack. And then I said, oh, tack. And then I took out my my money from my purse and I gave it to her and she said tuck and then uh, she gave me the stamp and I said tuck and then she said tuck so mycket thank you very much and I said tuck so mycket and then we went our way so I counted that we had said tuck about 20 times between us in the space of two minutes so tuck very important word and if you don't know what to say what do you say tuck <laughs> Uh, another interesting tradition was this tak for Uh Translated, thank you for the latest. 
Uh, and that is something that you always uh, say to people if you've been invited the day before or the week before to dinner, lunch, to fika, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, and always say, tak for seeing us. Thank you for the last time. Very important tradition, uh, and I think it's a very nice tradition. Uh, what I, this, when, remember when I said peace loving? This is the peace loving Swede saying nya. Now, this is a cross between no and yes. So, when a Swedish person says nya to, to you, what they really mean is no, but they don't dare say it because they don't want a conflict. So, nya, very important word to know. And remember, when they say it, they really mean no. Uh, so don't push it. So the Swedes, who are they proud of? And the modest Swede, this is, I'm so saying this to you as modest Swedes, you should be proud of your country, you should be proud of the wonderful people that your country has produced. Because look at this, 70% of Swedes still want the royal family to be here, believe it or not. Uh, and the royal family, a very important uh, aspect of Swedish daily life. They're, the two young ladies, princesses, are getting married this summer, so there'll be a big party in Stockholm in June. Be there or be square. Sports stars. Björn Borg, Ingemar Stenmark, Anja Persson. The Swedish football team, the Swedish hockey team. The Swedish football team. One of the main characters there is a guy called Slatan. Doesn't sound very Swedish, but he's Swedish. He's a new Swede and he is a very, very well-known international football star. Slatan Ibrahimovic. The music industry. ABBA, Roxette, Ace of Base. These are major stars that have really been uh, great exporters of Swedish music. We have a local group called Mando Diao. I think I said that right. Uh, and they are also extremely internationally uh, acclaimed, coming from this little area of Sweden. I think that's fantastic. Industry, Volvo, Ericsson, Saab. But they're doing well. They're, we believe in Saab. I, you can read these names. These are people that the Swedes, if they're not proud of them, should be very proud of them. So very quickly into a bit of etiquette. Be on time. This is very important here in Sweden. If you are late, the person that you are meant to meet will not be very happy because they will interpret your lateness as you can't be bothered to be on time. Now, other cultures have different aspects of this punctuality, but in Sweden, punctuality is extremely important. Be prepared to remove your shoes. Now, as I said, this is something that many Swedes just take for granted. As soon as they put that little foot inside that door, those shoes come off. Um, for me, it wasn't as simple. Um, and so be prepared. The handshake. Now, many of you will say, what do you mean? Well, as soon as you meet someone new in Sweden, you have, you say, hello, my name is Loretta, and you shake their hands. But the funny thing about the, sh the handshaking is, 
that it goes on forever. Because really, that person does want physical contact with you, but that's the only acceptable way to, to, to touch the other person when you first meet them. So the handshake usually lasts quite a long time because you're talking to each other and you're saying, hi, oh, how are you, and who are you, and whatever. So you could find yourself shaking for quite a long time there. Um, but don't get too close. There is this little bubble around people. Uh, my mother come, came from Italy. So uh, she, had, she thought this was hilarious because she used, her best tip was to move people around the room by just getting too close. So she would just talk to them like this and walk around rooms with them while they were talking because <gasps> they, they were getting too close. So be careful. Don't get too close physically. Uh, another thing that I... Um, found out, and these are really small things, but they're quite fun for me. They were fun for me. Uh, dinners, when you are invited to dinner, don't start to drink until the host has lifted their glass and said, welcome. Uh, because uh, this tradition doesn't exist in my country. I mean, as soon as the wine was in my glass, I was sipping it. But you have to wait. The official welcome. And then there's this funny toasting ritual, which I thought was really quite amusing. Uh, so the hostess or whoever wants to toast with you, because there's lots of toasting going on, um, and she, uh, she or he will lift the glass, look at you and say, school, and you will lift your glass and look at them and say, school, and then you look at each other again and then you take a little sip, you try and time it really well as well, and then you look at each other again, and then you put the glass down. It's all very wonderful. Um, so that's the toasting ritual. Lung och fin. This is something that I, what I experienced very much, which is also connected. Remember when I was talking about lagom and all this? Lung och fin, which means quiet and calm. Now, as you most probably have experienced, I'm everything but quiet and calm. So when I'm excited about something, I will be excited about something. And when I'm angry about something, I will be angry about something. But on these occasions that I have used the, have been in this manner, people have said to me, Loretta, Lungnokfin, and I've got so angry. I don't want to be Lungnokfin. And sometimes when I've been intense about something, somebody has said to me, Loretta, why are you so angry? I'm not angry. I'm just intense, passionate about this issue. And then when I laugh a lot, I get quips sometimes like, what have you been drinking? And I'm thinking to myself, hold on a minute, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Why do they think that I've been drinking just because I'm laughing loud? Um, so I met this quite a lot, and I, again, it's because many Swedes met somebody that didn't fit the pattern quite of, you know, how people should be. But again, I will not uh, make sort of this into a sort of a negative bit because the thing was that I was still accepted in the community. But I've nearly been thrown off a train for laughing too loud. Because apparently someone complained that I was too loud, and immediately came to the conclusion that I'd been drinking 
And then the, the, the train master came out to me and said, you need to be quieter, otherwise I'm going to have to push you off this train. I said, okay. So that's what I experienced uh, many years ago now, I must say. But uh, as I said, Lugnorfin uh, was something that I experienced. And then Varshagud, because Varshagud is also a word that doesn't really exist in my country. Because, for example, if you have food on the table, the host or your mother or whoever will say Varshagud. They will say, please help yourselves. So Varshagud is this key word for start acting in any way. So when anyone says to you Varshagud, it means go through the door. Varshagud, start eating. Varshagud, you can drink your coffee now. So Varshagud is also quite an important word. And um, here is a wonderful picture of Swedish winters. But let me state that you can see that it doesn't really invite to being outdoors 24 hours a day. Um, unless you're active, uh, many people in Sweden will uh, hibernate a little bit in the winter. Um, and this because of the sometimes bitter winters, but beautiful winters. Uh, and they do strange things in the winter as well, just to be outside. And one of them is called ice fish fishing. I've given you the Swedish word there for pimpling, it's called. And suddenly when I came to Sweden, I just thought it was a funny word, sorry. Um, suddenly when I came to Sweden, I saw this lone man in the middle of this iced over lake, sitting on this little, little stool with a very little uh, rod, just sitting there for hours and hours and hours. And I'm thinking to myself, what is the fun of that? But apparently it is fun. So that is also a little winter tradition you can do. And of course, skating on lakes, which I've done once, and it was pretty exciting. But then you have the summer, and look at the difference between winter and summer. You have this beautiful landscape, everything has come alive. And who else comes alive when the, when the summer is here? The Swedes. Because I would come out in the summer, and uh, suddenly I would start meeting people like my next door neighbour. Oh, hi, where have you been for the past six months? Um, so this is something that really, Swedes, the Swede in the winter and the Swede in the summer are two totally different people. The Swede in the summer is this very vibrant, excited person with a love of life and a love of, I want to talk to people now, I've been stuck indoors all winter type of attitude. And you really feel the difference between the summer Swede and the winter Swede. And of course, when the summer comes, it's time for party party. And this is something that I also experienced, that there was many family parties, many friend parties. Even if your birthday was in February, you had the party in June, uh, because this is the most important time to meet your friends, to celebrate the summer, and the adoration of, some, of the summer in general. And that, my friends, is my little presentation on my encounter with Sweden. Thank you very much.